Good morning, 12s, and welcome to the Seahawks 360 podcast, a sports ethos production. We look at the Seahawks from every angle every week. I'm one of your hosts, Candace Hagens. And I'm Tino Ganasius. And we are here. It's a pleasure and a privilege to talk Hawks with you guys. We are going to talk about the Lions' upcoming game tomorrow. Um, and there is quite a bit of questions to address. So Tino and I are going to try to get into it and and give a breakdown, you guys. Uh, I, I do want to start with just some, some general Seahawks news. Um, the first thing that was reported out this week is that uh, Abraham Lucas, the right tackle, was put on injured reserve. So he is going to be out officially for four or more games, at least four games. Um, Tino, what was your reaction? Well, it's not good news, obviously. Um, it makes me nervous. I think that that even with those two in, in uh, with him and Charles Cross, in the game, we still had to worry about pass rush a little bit, and mostly you're worrying about it coming up the middle. But with Lucas out, you know, certainly uh, you just got to – it's next man up, right? Yeah. Um, but you're taking away a huge strength from the offense, certainly, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was a little – I was a little shocked, I'll be honest, because on the one hand, when Pete Carroll was asked about Abe Lucas and his specific injury, they talked about a knee thing, something like that, um, things that bothered him in the preseason – and I kind of thought there was hope that he would be able to come back a little bit. Now, I was a little bit worried about his long term. Like, was this a chronic knee thing? Was it degenerative? Because they kept saying there is no official injury, right? Which always concerns me a little bit if a player can't play and there's no real injury. But it seems like it's Abe Lucas ended up getting surgery on that knee, which to me begs the question, why didn't we do this in the offseason? Because like he he sat out the whole preseason did we not see I mean was there not a test of progress to see if he's doing better so that we can know if there needs to be action taken I mean I just don't understand if he played so few snaps in week one I don't see why this wasn't addressed in the offseason right he's maybe there was a when they discovered it they they realized that he was going to miss some time if he did have surgery so he was going to try to play through it but yeah, I agree. I think if you this, you can take care of it, the better. And and losing him, and I, I think I think Charles will be back much yeah. sooner, right? I think they said that that if he really had to go to today or tomorrow, he potentially could have. But yeah. again, you know, this is you're counting on those two to make this offense go. They were a huge; those two were a huge key for me coming into the season, and it yeah. and it allowed you you know, to have the time to, to throw deep balls, right. It allowed you to establish that running game. And now you've got an offensive line where you were worried about the middle to begin with mm -hmm. two tackles away. You know, you put Jake Curran and, and Stone Forsyth in for this game against Detroit and, you know, Detroit's pass rush is, is you look at it and you don't see a ton of great names, but it, there is Aiden Hutchinson. And yes, I have an M on my hat. Absolutely. I do. But <laughs> objectively speaking, you know, Aiden's nasty yeah. and, and he's fast, he's strong, he's incredibly athletic and Curhan and Forsyth are, you know, they're going to have to really struggle. They're going to have to double team on Hutchinson's side. Most of the game I'm guessing. And if, you're doubling him up. That's going to free up, you know, one-on-ones uh, -on everywhere else. So I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm incredibly nervous. I was actually thinking, how does this change the Seahawks um, offensive game plan? 
mm-hmm. right? Take those two tackles away. What do you think is going to happen with this Seahawks offense with those two tackles out? Well, first of all, I think you've got to emphasize the quick game. I don't think there's another way around it. You can't afford to drop back and play action. First of all, there's a question about the run game and their ability to really successfully do that. Um, Ken Walker was great, but the offensive linemen, especially now that they're weaker at that position, can they get pushed at the line of scrimmage? Now, I will give confidence in Jake Curhan and his ability to be able to do that. He does that well, as much of a liability as he in, is in the pass protection. So maybe they do lean into that a little bit. Uh, but Geno's shown to be very good in the quick game. I mean, early on in week one, week two, they did a lot more quick game type things. Uh, they did a lot of two tight end sets. I think they're going to need some two tight end sets just to help those offensive linemen. They really need to take advantage of that. Um, if you can get three tight ends on the field at this point, like you really just right. need to lean into some of the strengths of of helping your offensive line. I agree with the double coverage of Aiden. They've got double teaming him. They didn't always do that consistently with Aaron Donald, and I still haven't had the opportunity to go back and watch the full All-22. It's been a crazy week for me. But I've seen some clips, and sometimes he's just kind of – you know, one on single block. I'm like, I still don't get why we're not why we're not double teaming Aaron Donald. So it makes me concerned about if they would double team Aiden Hutchinson at all, even mm-hmm. if they weren't consistent with it with Aaron Donald. So that that's a big question and a concern. But the key is quick game. Um, got to get intermediate routes. I think JSN could be huge if they could yes. put him in the right positions. He could be huge uh, because. They just won't have time to go to DK. I mean, unless she's going to run some shorter routes, which you can, but go balls, all that stuff, get it. If you can get in a good rhythm, sure, Mm -hmm. mix that in the bag. But in terms of getting you on the field and continuing to move the chains, Mm -hmm. I would say take the Rams approach. The Rams did a really good job about getting the ball out. Seahawks need to do the same. I agree. I think, I think, you know, slants, outs, curls, you know, uh, just any of the, the real, you know, even the hitches, bubble Mm -hmm. screens, all that sort of stuff to neutralize, um, to neutralize the pass for us, they have to do, right? Yep. You're talking about three-step drops. You're talking, you know, you're talking about, you know, in being in the gun and getting rid of the ball immediately. And yes, to your point, I think that makes JSN much more of a focal point because we know that DK is not a great route runner. Mm-hmm. You know, coming out of Ole Miss, the reason why he he dropped as he did was people didn't think he could move, essentially move horizontally. His agility wasn't what was a, a weakness. And he's proven that to be wrong, but he's still not a great route runner. Right. He, but you can have him essentially post up, right? Like run slants and use his body to, to be able to catch. And it's not as if they have name brand corners, right? Yeah. They don't, the Lions do not have a great secondary. They signed CJ Gardner Johnson to play yeah. uh, safety and drafted Brian Branch out of Alabama to be their nickelback. And, and those two are talented, but the other guys, you know, are not great. And so, I don't think coverage is going to be an issue, especially if, if uh, Lockett is is good to go, which it sounds like he is. Yeah. Like Lockett and JSN, you've got two technicians, right? You've got mm-hmm. two guys that can run great routes. And so, yeah, to your point, I think it's it's run those slants, run those those quick outs, right? Run the hitch routes. And if the safety start to play up, then you send DK deep, right? Then yep. you start doing things in the seam. But it's... It is going to change their game plan. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think you would see that short game nearly as much if the tackles were there. You see a lot more intermediate routes. So mm-hmm. it is going to change. I am nervous about the ability to establish the run, even if the run blocking is a strength um, of the guys who are replacing the tackles. It doesn't mean that they're good at it. It just means that yeah. <laughs> they're to below average, right? Right. So 
I don't know. I, I'm not confident in the offense. I think that um, I'm a big believer in in offensive line play, making a team go right. And it's we had questions about that line before the two best players on that line got hurt. So we'll see. Um, thankfully, the again, the the Detroit defense doesn't have a bunch of names. And so and they don't have a ton of draft capital invested in that defense. And so you question just how talented is it actually, right? Yeah. Um, although I think we will see more Jack Campbell, who was their first round pick, um, middle mm -hmm. linebacker out of Iowa, who is very athletic as well. So yeah. I did the same exercise with their defense as I did last week, which is assign, you know, a one through five grade for each player, just kind of based on on skill and talent and what I think to see how talented that defense was. Mm -hmm. And the only players above average for me were cj gardner johnson got a four brian branch has only played one game in the pros but i said he's kind of a three four mm -hmm. kind of a average to above average and then obviously hutchinson i gave a five but outside of that it's all twos and threes and yep. so seahawks have an opportunity certainly um against this defense it's just, it's just a matter of can they protect and is it, the game plan appropriate for the team that's on the field and we'll find out how much the Lions adjust because one thing that made this game really interesting last year, if we would go back to last year when the Lions played the Seahawks, it was a complete shootout. And one of the things that allowed for it to be a shootout was the defensive coordinator was extremely aggressive in his calls. And Gino was really great at the line of scrimmage at being able to identify pressure, identify blitzes, and then attack them with it. And they made quite a few mistakes just because of how aggressive they were, Gino essentially made them pay. Do they still take that same approach because the tackles are gone? If they do, that might help play into the hands of the Seahawks a little bit because, well, Gino knows how to how to handle those situations. He's shown he knows how to handle those situations. And I don't think whether we question his ability, his ability to keep that, you know, will he keep his performance level the same? I don't think his ability to read things at the line of scrimmage is going to change. So they're going to lean on him heavy and they're, and they're going to need to lean on him heavily in order to do that. And I also think they're going to need to, given the freedom that they gave him last year, which is the ability to, we talked about this in the last um, podcast, run for 10, 10 yards or so. Um, let him run. I, I mean, you need him. He's going to have to run. He's going to be right. He's going to have to be running for his life in this game. He's going to have to be running <laughs> yeah. in this game, right? So hopefully we see a little bit more of that. Um, hopefully it's more out of opportunity than necessity. I'd like to see him running, not necessarily because nobody right. can hold up at the point of attack, but more just because they've got these wide open, you know, zones or whatever that that defense is running and, you know, can just take it and get the first down. So right. I think... Right. It's possible. I think Shane Waldron, I trust him to come up with a game plan for this one that works if Pete will allow him to do so. Right. If Pete will allow him to do so, I think you can come up with a game plan to offset the tackles. Maybe this gives Shane Waldron a little bit more freedom than what he had. I think Pete's out Pete always gets his hand in that first, you know, they have so much time in that for mm -hmm. that first game leading up to. I think he always gets his hands more in that first weeks because he's the coach and so he's got a lot more time for feedback and those kind of things. So um, that's what it gives me hope. I, I actually have a lot more optimism for the offense, despite the tackles. And I am concerned about the tackles, but despite that, um, Stone Forsyth didn't do poorly in his few snaps last game. Mm -hmm. Um, he did better than he looked at all preseason. I, I that surprised me a little bit. Right. <laughs> when you go back and look at the tape, it wasn't nearly as much of a disaster. So I don't know if that was just matchup based or what we'll see, but 
I think they can work around it. Now, the defense, I have more <laughs> questions. <laughs> so the the big, as, uh, as we were talking about uh, before we got started, the big thing with the defense is getting Devon Witherspoon on the field. Mm-hmm. Right? We're yeah. getting Devon Witherspoon on the field. We get to see... You know, you're talking about the number five pick overall in the draft. So this is this isn't just, oh, we're getting our young player on the field. Let's go. Let's do this. This is supposed to be a difference maker. Right. This is supposed to be a huge deal for the Seahawks getting him on the field. Um, Again, I'll ask the question, where is he going to play? Whose time is he going to take? And what do you expect to see from him? Nickel. He's going to play nickel. Hamon say Brown is in this game. You need mm-hmm. him in nickel. In fact, I would say you need a you need a, a good nickel corner. And Kobe Bryant got cooked. Mm-hmm. He got cooked. And right. he's been getting cooked. He hadn't getting he hadn't gotten the um backlash, negative backlash from the fan base, I think, but because of the first fumbles or whatever, I think he got in the the good graces of the fan base. But he's been pretty poor in coverage overall. And they've got to have somebody they can trust. So it's going to be Devin Witherspoon. It's a tough test for him coming out of the gate. And for that reason, I'll say this. I do want to temper expectations for Devin Witherspoon. Do I think he will be better than Kobe Bryant? He better be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because Kobe Bryant (laughs) set a bar pretty low, right? Right. So I do expect that much. I do expect for it to be an improvement. I don't want guys to come out here and expect an all-pro guy. This is a guy who has missed most of training camp and who will, to some extent, be learning on the fly in these real live reps. We don't, we know they do fairly mild practices to say the least. They don't do a lot of tackling. So I do expect for him to mess up. I don't, I hope that the fans don't Rain him a bust because he's. I think what you're going to see is some great flashes, and mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a mess up some. I think you're going to see some of both. Um, at least that's sort of my expectation for him. But those great flashes you need to use to your advantage if you're the Seahawks defense because he's going to have some. He's going to have a excellent tackle. I'm actually not worried about him with tackling, but he's going to have excellent tackling, which the Seahawks mm-hmm. need. Um, and and I do think he's pretty sticky naturally, and co- he's just got a good instinct. So I think that's enough for them to feel comfortable to put him out on the field, even though he has missed some of training camp. Um, and so I'm, I am curious as to who they're going to play on the outside. If they're going to stick with Trey, or if they're going to play more Mike Jackson. Mike Jackson only played 25 percent of the snaps last week. I don't know if we see that increase for him or not. I think they stick with Trey. And I like it. And he took so obviously we talked about he took some lumps last week. Mm-hmm. And I think with Witherspoon, he's he is so skilled that I think he's going to play well unless he he blows a big assignment. I think the way the way that he doesn't play well is isn't going to be he's not going to get beat athletically. It would be him blowing an assignment, mm-hmm. um, you know, not not dropping deep enough in zone or so, something like that. Right. Um, but I expect it, I expect him to be a huge improvement over what they had. It also, you know, despite the fact that, that we're facing Amon Ross St. Brown, I think it's a good week for him to, to get his feet wet because, uh, the other two receivers in their three receiver set are Josh Reynolds and Marvin Jones, mm-hmm. you know, Marvin Jones over the years has been a probably a league average wide receiver, right? He catches some touchdowns. He's been right good and bad at times josh reynolds was a rams cast off essentially who's a big dude and is athletic but is not necessarily a great receiver it doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're not going to catch passes what it means though is you're not scared mm-hmm. right you're not scared of these receivers and so having a adding witherspoon and his attitude and I, that's the other thing i think he brings is yes. 
every last highlight you watch of him, you know, at Illinois, even watching him cheer the team on last week, he's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Right. He's a nut job. He's he he's is. out there. He's like foaming at the mouth. Ready yeah. to go. And the Hawks need that. This yeah. defense needs that. And you got a lot of cool customers on this defense. You know, Reek is, is, <laughs> is, is he's smooth and, I like and he's, <laughs> need guys that are foaming at the mouth. Right. It's it's NFL defense you're talking about. Um, so I, I'm actually super psyched to see him on the field. Um, I did get to watch him in the Big Ten quite a bit and he's nasty. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a, again, there's a reason why he went fifth overall. And there's a reason why that pick was celebrated in a lot of circles. He is that good. Yeah. My worry is, again, when I started looking at, and I knew it coming in, but when I did the exercise of looking at their offense, their offensive line is gnarly. They've yeah. got, they've got hogs on that offensive line. And even with Taylor Decker out, and I think he is going to be out. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked at the numbers, but my assumption is they run the they run right all the time behind Sewell and Vitae. Those are, big, those are some big dudes. Penny Sewell might be the best right tackle in football, right? And Frank Ragnow is is, is a, an elite center. It's I know they were really good against the run last week, right? But we're not really taking we're taking those first week stats with the grain of salt. Mm -hmm. This run defense has to hold up. They have to hold up against a big, nasty um, offensive line from the Lions that has attitude, that wants to run you over. You've got a coach in Dan Campbell who wants this to be just a rock fight, basically. That's that's how that's his mentality every single game. So if the if the Hawks defensive line can't hold up against this team, it's it's curtains for the Hawks, right? They're gonna try to control the clock. They're gonna run a lot of play action because Jared Goff, as we know when he was with the Rams is in his element when he gets in a running game established and he can run play action off of that running game. So that's my biggest worry in this game, even with the off with the uh, a Lucas and Charles cross out my, I don't, I think the Hawks will score some, right? I think there's just, there's too much talent on that offense for them to not come out and score. I think it's, it's holding up against the run with the, the attitude that the lions have and the talent they have on that offensive line. That makes me most nervous and then one B would be Jameer Gibbs and Amon Ross St. Brown over the middle and, and just eating up that uh, the middle of that Seahawks defense. Um, I'm not overly optimistic about, about what this is looking like, but you know, the Hawks still have enough talent to have a, a puncher's chance in this game. Yeah. I, so I agree with a lot of, well, I'm going to say, I agree. I, I understand a lot of your points for sure. whatever reason, <clears throat> I'm more concerned about the coverage. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm aware completely to all of your points. And I, I mean, they're not really disputable that the Lions offensive line is like it's, it's top tier. That's not really an argument point mm -hmm. for what, when I go back and I've watched, like I said, I haven't gone back and watched all of the all 22, but I have seen some clips, some, some uh, stretches. And it seems like Pete Carroll strategy wise pulled out of the 2020 hat. Mm -hmm. Um, if you go back to me, it gives shades of the 2020 team where they were number five at mm -hmm. run defense, but they were historically bad in pass coverage. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they're going back to that scheme because I heard a lot about them being able to take advantage of Jamal Adams and that to me counters what I saw on the field last week game plan. It was a lot of uh, two interior defensive linemen, which mm -hmm. is why I don't think Draymond Jones played particularly well. And then they had your outside 
um, linebackers. It looks like four, three. And then they did have some five man fronts, the bare fronts, which they did a lot in 2020 as well. And they'd have an in- interior linebacker like Devin Bush or uh, sometimes even Kobe Bryant at the line of scrimmage. Um, mm-hmm. And you didn't know who was going to drop back, but it still gave shades of 2020. If one week one is in the indication, then it doesn't matter that they don't have any names outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. It doesn't really matter. I mean, Puka Nuka is now a top five rock. That's, that's not his name, Puka Nuka. I've been, I've been saying that. But is that, uh, but uh, what, is his, what is his actual name? It's uh, Puka Nakua. <laughs> Puka Nakua. I've been saying it. Yeah. It's like joking <laughs> with my husband. But um, <laughs> but he's at the top five wide receiver in the NFL for week one. And so is Tutu Adwell. They're both right. top five wide receivers in the NFL. Those guys aren't names. And, and, by no means is that going to hold. It's just an indication of how bad, you know, doesn't you don't need names, essentially, if, if the Seahawks are going to play that coverage. Now, Devin Witherspoon is key because do they play more man? Do they feel more comfortable playing more man coverage with Devin Witherspoon on the field? Mm-hmm. I sure hope so, because I think you're going to need to play man against Jared Goff. I think he can – I think he can eat zone up. He proved that when he was on the Rams. Like, if you I mean, he, it, combination of him right. and Sean Wiffay, I'm sure – Mm-hmm. But he proved he can eat that up. And, I mean, he really proved it last year against the, the Seahawks when it was a shootout because the defense was really not there because they play – Jared Goff knows how to play those coverages. So you really hope for a lot more man coverage for sure. Um, but I'm just really worried about that secondary. Um, now, you mentioned that Devin Witherspoon just needs to make sure he doesn't blow any big assignments. Mm-hmm. I expect he might blow one because, again – he didn't really play much at training camp, right? That may happen. But then Trey Brown blew one too, right? I think like Trey Brown has had his fair share of that as well. So again, that's sort of what concerns me more. When it comes to the defensive line, I am worried. I'm not, I don't want to put that out there. I just feel like I'm more worried about, they They proved, I think Bobby Wagner plays a huge part in that running game, even going back and watching tape, just his play recognition. Uh, also, Yuchina Nwosu, played a really great game against the run. He set the edge as well, which I think will help because I actually don't think they're going to use Jameer Gibbs up the middle. I think if I'm the Lions, I'm trying to get him to the outside, right? Because that's where he's electric anyway. And so I think somebody like Chinan Wosu can help out quite a bit like that. I trust Boye Mafe to hold up at the point of attack in that regard. So I think they're equipped to deal with that better than they're equipped to deal with the coverage issues they may experience with a pretty – a, a, a coverage unit that hasn't played together. It'd be brand new, even compared to last week. So right, right. that's a concern. I guess the the one again. I I agree. I think Gibbs is an out is an outside player, right? He's mm-hmm. a he's going to run a lot of the wide receiver passing routes. Mm-hmm. I do worry certainly worry about him um, if we're trying to cover him with uh, Bobby Wagner or or Jordan Brooks because he's going to mm-hmm. he's going to cook those guys. But, you know, establishing the, the edge against Penny Sewell, I'm just telling you, I know I keep bringing him up. You try to yeah. establish the edge against that dude, that dude's going to pancake you. He's He is nasty, like, unlike, I'm trying to think if there's a right tackle in the in the NFC West who even, who rivals him at all. They're not really. He's probably not. No, it's going to be a struggle. And I, again, I expect the attitude of the Lions to come out and just say, you know what, we're bigger, stronger, better. Um, Jaron Reed's going to be huge. In my mind, yeah. you know, he's going to have to really hold up. And I, I just, I think we're one guy. I know we talked about 
the uh, defensive line kind of moving in this more modern sort of, you know, quickness and fast and not having to have that big plugger in the middle in this game. I, I wish they had another one. Right. And I think we are one big guy short because and I think that's why we're not we're not seeing Draymond Jones effective in that first game. Right. Is he's he is more effective on a line where there are two other guys who are bigger and he's shooting the gap. Right. But if he's shooting the gap and he's playing three technique and you're asking him to get upfield, which is why they signed him to that contract, then Jaron Reed's your only, you're really your only guy stout and in the middle trying to stop that run. And so I, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to throw, you know, a big, just to be a wet blanket all over this week to match up with the lions, but there are just a lot of places where I have questions. I have questions about, like I said, stopping the run both outside and inside. I've got questions about, you know, being able to cover in the middle, as we talked about last week, you know, ad nauseum about the ability to cover, specifically Amon Ross St. Brown. But Mm -hmm. Sam Laporta is their starting tight end. Sam Laporta was an incredible tight end at Iowa, right, and was a very good draft pick. And he's a technician in the middle. And so you've got players on the – and Jared Goff likes to throw over the Mm -hmm. middle, likes to pick apart, especially if we play zone. So there are a lot of questions. There's questions on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, the Mariners, or Mariners, I've been talking so much Mariners, I'm sorry. You're good, you're good. The Seahawks, the Seahawks have to be, they have to play up to their talent, right? You have to see DK do something special. You've got to see Geno go out there and be the Geno of last year, not the Geno of week one. Um, I do like your point of, you know, I don't think anybody really gives Geno Smith the credit of being as smart as he is. Mm-hmm. He's smart. And he identifies defenses incredibly quickly. I think the worst thing you can do against Geno is to actually is to actually blitz him the way Detroit did last last year, because he can pick that apart. Geno Smith has a lot of of skill, right? And um, so I think if Detroit does choose to blitz and put pressure, you're kind of playing into his hands to to get the ball out quickly and use his brain to pick you apart as opposed to using his arm. Absolutely. Yeah, I I'll say this on the on the interior defensive line. Um I really hope they play a little bit more to J- Draymond Jones's strength, which is like you said, it, I expected this defense to play Mario Edwards alongside mm-hmm. uh Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed. And that's just not what happened in, in the last game, at least. Like I said, they played a lot of two interior defensive line fronts, and maybe that's what made them comfortable with their depth. Maybe that's their plan. I don't like that plan because it puts your you're taking a player who's played a three, four all his life. You're asking him to play a four, three. And, and actually statistically, that was the worst, one of the worst games of his career because he Draymond Jones never re- played a game where he didn't le- at least register one pressure at least. And generally he registered m- multiple. So that was not a good game plan for him. So they, they kind of need to change that. I'm kind of hoping we do see more traditional three, four fronts because that's, how your personnel play. Same thing with Dueling and Jones. He struggled so much because they played, quite frankly, for it looks like they played four three. That's what that's what it looks like. Um, that there's been some debate over that. But if you if you look at the front, it's a four man front, two interior guys, and then two edge guys. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, <laughs> because of that, I, I'm not as worried about Jaron Reed for whatever reason. I seem to trust him. But what what to your point about being a man down. We're not just a man down because you feel like statistically, like on the depth chart, we need another big guy like that. We're a man down because Mike Morris is actually questionable 
for this has game. Um, no, or has he been officially ruled out? Let me double double check that. But Mike Morris is injured, and so they literally are a man down. And Cameron Young got two percent of the snaps last week, which to me says they really don't trust him. And to me says that he's still got a long way to go. He still he still looks like a project to me. He's not the guy that thought he'd be coming out. Um, yeah, it looks like Charles Cross has, I mean, sorry, Mike Morris has officially been ruled out along with Charles Cross and Jamal Adams. So he's not, you know, that's a, that's a question in right now. Boye Mafe and Devin Bush are also questionable, which I think are big questions because if you got to put Daryl Taylor out there on the edge, that's a disaster. And and, and, and in my opinion, that's game over. In my opinion, if you're putting Daryl Taylor out on that edge against Gibbs, who is a rookie, but the guy's electric. You right. got to be able to get on. You know, and that's what I, I just said. Like, I'm confident in Boye Mafe's ability to defend and, and to really set the edge. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident at all in Daryl Taylor's ability to set the edge. And he's proven that he's an absolute liability in that regard. You can just run at him and right. get yards. So that those the injuries make me a little bit more worried, I guess, than I initially was with Mike Morris being out. I'm a little bit more concerned about the depth. Um, I don't like how we're using the interior defensive linemen that we do have outside of. Jan Reed, I think, is adapting well, but the others are not. Mario Edwards also came from a 3-4. They're playing him in the same stance at the at more of a 4-3. It's not working. It did not work. And he's and he's a journeyman, right? I think he's there because he has experience in the defense and and you know is a bigger body. But I think in in a perfect world, Mike Morris would progress quickly six six darn near 300 pounds right and that's you need that kind of build you need that kind of beef as that three four end to be able to to take on a couple of blockers and occupy a couple of blockers and I I wish Morris was healthy because I, I did watch him at Michigan every snap and he's got talent right and I think he do, would play that role I Mario Edwards has bounced around the NFL and I know you know, when he's at Florida State, he was a, a, you know, a big recruit. But the reality is he's long in the tooth and they, they have him there as a placeholder, I think, for whoever the next guy is that steps up. But if you, to your point, why would you sign Draymond Jones to this big, big contract if you weren't going to put him in exactly the position to succeed? He does one thing well, right? He's an interior guy who can get upfield and disrupt. That's why you signed him. So if you're not going to surround him with the type of players that are going to allow him to do that, and you put him in a, in a position where he has to hold up, mm-hmm. right, yep. at the point of attack instead of penetrate, yep, you might Let's as well put, put Brian Monet out there instead because well, that's injured. what Brian Monet does, right? <laughs> He's injured, but yeah, <laughs> right. No, but but my point is that that yeah. big body, right? You want right. you if that's what you're going to have him do. So yeah, I I want to see Draymond Jones in the backfield. Right. I want to see them allow him you know, cut him loose. The same thing, the same idea applies to Daryl Taylor. If you got Daryl Taylor in the game, you're not putting him in the game to hold up on the the point of attack. You know, he's going to get ran over. But if if you put him out there and you wind him up and you just say, go, go attack the quarterback, that's something that he has the ability to do. You, you play him on passing down. I I think he, I think he's, we've had this debate about him, whether he's a double. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as high on him. I I don't know. I don't, I don't love him. And I think there's a reason why they drafted after him they've they've found yeah. other people but still the point is that he's a one-trick pony yeah, yeah and you set him up to succeed Draymond yeah. Jones his superpower is is penetration into the backfield yeah right set Absolutely. him up to succeed 
yep. let him do his thing. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Now, I will say I disagree a little bit on the Mario Edwards take because I'll say this. Mario Edwards, yes, he's a journeyman. But mm-hmm. the Titans were, by most metrics, not all, there's, it depends on what metric you're looking at. I say at least top three run defense, but it actually there are several measures that show them as the number one run defense. And so you brought him in definitely to help you in that regard. So I know that he's a journeyman, but I'm not sure they brought him in for somebody to overtake him, if that makes sense. Like Mike Morris, they were going to be moving him from an entirely different position. And so I'm not sure they were counting on Mike Morris leapfrogging Mario Edwards in in the depth chart. I think they love that, right? I mean, we love that, but I don't think that's necessarily what they were counting on. I think it's almost like the Benton Iowa thing where they genuinely like just love the guy. And I think he does a lot of the things that they wanted. I just don't understand. I, I'm still, and I'm maybe as the weeks go on, I'll better understand. I still don't understand the disconnect between the personnel that they brought in and the scheme that they're running right now. To me, makes absolutely no sense. But if they go back to actually putting these guys in the right position, that will help. Um, but I, I like Mike Morris, and I, I do hate that he's missing these opportunities. Uh, I don't know if it's – it seems like it's his shoulder that's mm-hmm. still – yeah, it's his shoulder that's still messing with him. So that's been a, on and off issue all offseason. So hopefully that's something that he can recover from because I think – I like his upside for sure. And it, at this point, I don't think you can really count on Cameron Young. So then the question is – who are your guys that you're leaning on when it's not? And I think they're almost going to have to play that that two-man interior front, that two, four, five, or, you know, whatever. I think they're going to have to play that out of pure depth issues, right? Like, they, I don't even think they can afford to put Draymond Jones in the right position and get him three other defensive ends on the outside, you know, in, in a nose tackle up the middle because they just don't have the guys. And to me, that's no way to – it just seems very reactive and not – they had enough time, I think, to address that. If this right, point. that's on that's on John uh, John Schneider, right? Yeah. That, that's clearly on the front office. If yeah. if you have, you know, if you know you want to switch to this defense, right? And this is this is what you've decided to do. You've got to bring in, you bring in Jaron Reed and two more Jaron Reeds at that point yeah. in time, just to make sure right. that you have that that interior line taken mm-hmm. care of, especially. If you're investing, you can't invest resources in the Draymond Jones position and then skimp everywhere else because yeah. you're going to be stuck with with no depth. And so, yeah, I it's it's mind boggling to me. Um, I, I do think you can be critical. The Seahawks have always done that on the lines, though. They did that on the offensive line forever, you yeah. know, where where the they just didn't invest the resources that you believe they should. I, I I'm a invest from the go from the inside out. Right. Me. I, I like investing in lines, being able to establish at the line of scrimmage, being strong there, being stout. And then you go and find your perimeter players. You go and find your skilled players, right? And I know that doesn't always work, but for me, that's the base. And the Seahawks on both lines at this point, it it makes it hard for me to see them get to, honestly, get to 10 wins if they don't have good line play. And and the offensive tackles were a part of that, but this defensive line's got to show me something before I believe that that they can get to ten wins this year. Yeah, yeah, and I think for if they don't show you something, it's no fault of their own. I really don't think they're being used properly. I really don't. So I, there's a lot to be unraveled about, and that, to me, this is a critical year in terms of how I be, view both John and Pete because mm-hmm. we've seen these issues before. I understand why they like to go secondary because of their history. 
but mm-hmm. but you got to be able to have pretty good guys at, at least at, at, at the line of scrimmage like you said and that has yet to be seen their ability to do that if you're going to get guys who aren't as high profile outside of Draymond Jones then like you said get the depth right get three Jaron Reeds or something like that and I just don't get why they don't account for the possibility of injuries it's it's it doesn't make it it's, it's almost like how they did the linebackers they did the linebackers that way last year where they only had Jordan Brooks and Cody Cody Barton and then guess what happens when a guy goes <laughs> down now you got Tanner Muse like because there's right. it wasn't in any way possible that one of your linebackers could at any point get hurt so we just decided no depth there right it's the same way on the interior of the defensive line we're just deciding no depth there and it was that way quite frankly with the offensive line I don't I don't ever thought Stone Forsyth was going to be able to really hold up if you need that. I mean, you were going to have to go get another guy if you had to depend on Stone Forsyth. So if you knew that, they should have anticipated that and made the change. Like, should have cut him, like, and find a better guy. Because as bad as he played in the preseason, you could have found anybody to play better than that, and it would have been a more favorable outcome. So we'll see how this game turns out. I think there are some upside things to look at. I think just to, you know, reiterate i think the seahawks can run some quick game i think if the seahawks play more man coverage on the defensive end Mm -hmm. this gives them a shot against a tough you know definitely against a tough um offensive line for sure um the defensive line i think if they can because of the tough offensive line i think you almost have to account for that and be more aggressive in your coverages because Mm -hmm. of that because if you make golf think you win right that's how it works with golf, right? If if he can mindlessly, my memory, check down or throw over the middle like without thinking, then he'll eat you alive. But if you make him think, if you make him read defenses, if you make him go outside of his first read, then he starts doing silly things, turnover-worthy plays. You start seeing a mess up. It's, it becomes easier to, um, to sack him because he will, you know, Hold on to the ball. He just doesn't process things quickly. So mm-hmm. I think you almost have to work. I do I sometimes you have to kind of do the opposite of what you normally like. You normally like fighting in the trenches first and then going out. I don't think they have the resources to do that. I think play to your strength. Your secondary is your strength. You put the most resources there. Lean in on them and uh, give your guys up front more time to overcome those really, really good offensive linemen. Right. Are we doing predictions this week? Yes, uh, you go first. Oh, there's pressure here. I got to get my mind right. There's pressure. I, uh, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me. <laughs> I'm going 21-17 Seahawks. I, uh, after all that, after all the criticism, of, after the frustration with the Lions, I think, I think this team has a lot of pride, right? Specifically Geno and, and the receivers. Um, Kenneth Walker's going home, playing in the state of Michigan. Uh, I do think that accounts for something. And I think the fact that these tackles are out actually does, in some ways, as we said, helps Geno Smith. I think Geno Smith has to be quick. I think he has to make quicker decisions. He's being forced to make quicker decisions at this point in time. And I think that's when he's at his best and is when he has to process quickly, right? You saw him holding on to the ball a ton in this last uh, in this week one matchup. Mm-hmm. And part of it is he was looking downfield. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get to look downfield. And I don't think the game plan is going to allow him to look downfield. And I think that sets him up to succeed. I do think that um, 
Kenneth Walker could have a very big game in this in this particular game. Yeah. I don't see a ton and they're in the Detroit front seven. I know they play pretty well. I don't see a ton of talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then defensively, I do think Witherspoon's talent alone is going to change the complexion of this defense. Yeah, I really, I really truly do. And I think he's the kind of player where if Detroit decides to attack him because he's young and because he hasn't played, he will rise to the occasion. He has that kind of talent. So my worry is that Detroit holds on to the ball for 40 minutes and just run like steamrolls the Seahawks, right? And I think that, you know, certainly that defense over the middle, I hope they made adjustments um, to give help to the middle linebackers dropping in, in zone because clearly that's not their strength. But I have confidence in this team still. I don't think it's a 10-win team. As of yet, I need to see some some more changes. But I again, I do think the offense plays a lot better in this game. Um, Detroit is coming off a huge victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think comes in with a lot of confidence. But sometimes you can get overconfident, especially if you see the Seahawks as not quite um, uh, the opponent, right, as, as the Kansas City Chiefs were. So I'm going Seahawks 21-17. Uh, I would say that's 70% objective and 30% my Seahawks fandom and, and wishful thinking, but um, I think it's a realistic prediction. And I, I expect the offense to play much, much better in this game, despite not having those two tackles. Yes. I'm going to go loss. I'm going to go, and this is a flip for me because I actually initially preseason, I had this as a win. I had mm-hmm. what well, I had the Rams as a win too. So I'm flipping. Uh, <laughs> I'm going 24, 17 uh, Seahawks lose. I think, uh, I just don't trust the defense. That's what mm-hmm. it comes down to. I don't trust the defense. And I do think it's possible that Geno gets more than 17 points. I'm I'm really just going, I'm giving that score because of the tackles and because I, I don't love Fort Stone Forsyth getting so many reps. Mm-hmm. I don't love that. And I don't know how much, I think they can overcome it. I think there's an easy recipe to overcome it. I don't know if they will mm-hmm. do that. And then, like I said, the biggest thing for me is just going to be the defense. I, I have never seen this defense fix itself quickly mm-hmm. ever in terms of the, I'll go the last five years, like the last five recent history shows post Legion of boom, whenever they struggle with issues, it's an issue at least till week five or six. So I have <laughs> right. no optimism that they will make the changes that they need to make one mm-hmm. because of the depth it, it's now they're now down a guy and two because even though they will have more talent in the back end, that talent is still very new. And he's being put being put in a tough position, to be honest, uh, sort of thrown into the fire, if you will. Right. And um, maybe it's enough and maybe it's not really for my lack of belief in Devin Witherspoon. I just. I don't trust the coaching at this point, and it's sad to say. It is sad to say, but that's kind of where I am. They're going to have to prove to me that they can make adjustments relatively quickly and not taking it six to eight weeks for us to really see an improvement on the defensive end which is always how it works out and so I kind of have to just follow that pattern with what I know Mm -hmm. I I couldn't agree more the the a bit they're so headstrong with their belief in their systems yes and they believe that they're sitting at some point in time you have to address is this is the system does the system work and do you have the right components to make the system work. Mm-hmm. And we said it last week and we'll, and we'll, we may say it next week where your system doesn't work if you're dropping two six foot linebackers deep in coverage, right? It doesn't necessarily work if you have that. It doesn't work if you don't have 
So you have two guys who are supposed to be able to rush the passer and they can't get there. Yep. And the whole system breaks down. How are you going to adjust? Are you going to blitz? Are they going to blitz Devon Weatherspoon from the nickel? Because that's something yep. he pretty much can do, right? Nice. Are we going to see some of that? It's, are we going to see some, you know, some secondary players taking the place of Jordan Brooks in the middle of that defense at times to cover up the deficiencies in the middle? I, I hope so. I hope so. I want to see, you know, you, you want, I want us, I want Pete Carroll to succeed, not just because he's a C, the Seahawks coach, but I like the dude, right? Yeah, I agree. But you want to see him and Clint Hurt. I don't really know what Clint Hurt's doing out there. I think it's Pete's defense. I don't, I've, I've, I've always been team. He gives us off the defensive coordinator, the freedom. Mm-hmm. I'm just not so sure that's the case anymore. I really, I'm right. not. I think Sean Desai had more freedom than anybody's ever had. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's Pete's defense because they they gave Sean Desai the the assistant head coach, right? Right. He just wasn't the defensive coordinator. And now, too many of the same things are showing up for me to yeah. feel anything other than it's Pete's defense. So, what's your score prediction? Uh, it's twenty four seventeen. Twenty four seventeen Lions. Lions win. Yep. Lions win. I just Hawks don't think I don't think they're zero and two. Hawks go zero and two. Guys falling back up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the third game they play week three is I think week three was a very winnable game if I remember correctly. No. Um, um yeah, week three is Carolina. Yeah. So I, I do think they they're not gonna just go 0 and three, but I do think they go 0 and two unless they can unless Pete can prove to me that he can do things differently. Right. Now if Pete can do things differently from a coaching perspective on offense and defense in terms of letting Shane Waldron call the plays. Cause I think Shane Waldron can come up with a great game plan and Pete will stay out of it. I mm-hmm. think they can overcome the issues that they'll have on the offensive end. And I think they've got the personnel to become dramatically better on defense if they will just make the schematic adjustments, but that's not Pete's nature. He's not one to, to quote unquote, want to overreact. And so he's want to, he's going to want to give it time and just see if these guys need some time to adjust to better communicate. And they do, but I don't think it's that simple either. So I'm just hoping it's not historically bad right. at this point. I'm just hoping the defense isn't historically bad in that's, any one area. Cause that's, yeah. it looks to me 2020 and that's what scares me. Right. One week. I'm just going to say it was one week. You're the one who told me that it's, it's, we don't have, we're not going on the stats yet. It's been one week. Let's stay optimistic. I, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm I can't trying do to. one week. I'm going to tell you why I can't do one week. On the defense, it's not just one week. On the offense, it is one week. On the defense, it's not just one week. It's five years of the same issue. It's not just one week. I'm sorry. I can't do that for the defense. We have changed completely different personnel. We have changed completely, supposedly, different schemes, and we still can't get the same issues fixed that have been the same issues for five years. That's not just one week, man. That's more than that. But I do think the offense won't be they won't struggle as much. I think they'll one be on the field a little bit more, I hope. And mm-hmm. two, um, I do think they'll have a a, a better approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we'll see, man. We'll see how, how the Seahawks do. Um, it'll be an interesting game to watch. I think I think this season is pivotal, I think, for the team in terms of the future and the direction. A lot can be said about how you feel at the end coming out of this season. So every game I think matters uh, Mm -hmm. for this team, not just in terms of, are we going backwards or are we going forwards? And not in this, this will determine it. So 
anyway, uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you and what you got going on, where they can check you out, and then I'll close yes. out. So you can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. I am the host of the Mariners cast uh, presented by Sports Ethos. Uh, that is E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. I do Monday through Friday. Uh, Mariners cast about a half hour. I was super privileged, super lucky to have Jason Churchill on uh, two nights ago. Jason Churchill was one of the first kind of big Mariners uh, bloggers and podcasters. He uh, runs the Prospect Insider website. Super fun. We just chopped it up for a good hour and a half about, you know, Mariners philosophy and nerded out on some baseball stuff. So I've been having a guest on usually once a week now, which has been a blast. But, you know, Mariners are in the stretch run. Um, if you, you want to understand kind of numerically, statistically, what's going on with this team um, down the stretch, they've got 15 games left. Uh, in the thick of the AL West hunt, certainly in the in the wild card uh, race, super fun. I love talking Mariners, love talking Hawks. Super, really appreciate being on the uh, Seahawks 360. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, absolutely. So make sure to check out Tino and his work on the Mariners. Go ahead and support both teams. Why not? Also, right. while you're supporting both teams, be sure to check out the Sports Ethos page, the Ethos Seahawks at Ethos Seahawks on. I'm still going to call it Twitter. On Twitter, you can find right. us there. Uh, we try to keep you updated on all the latest news that's going on there with the Seahawks and continue to check out the 360 Seahawks 360 podcast. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. That's it. We're out. And as always, go Hawks. <laughs>